0: we are thankful to you for blessing us with the word of God and especially in the book of Acts which shows how God, the Holy Spirit, work your mighty ways through human beings in the early church. And we want to learn from that. And we pray too, here in PPH, that we will have that same power of the Holy Spirit to obey God rather than man. And I pray for my brother and elder Benny, Lord, that you will use him, Lord. Use him to minister the word of God to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, kok for your prayer. Good morning, all of you, and uh, may I add my welcome to many of you here, I see, who are here for the first time. And uh, you are here, I know, because you are coming to uh, to witness the baptism of your friend or loved ones. And I think there's a certain sense of pride and uh, excitement Towards, uh, as you look forward towards the baptism. And uh, my daughter will also be one of the 20 candidates uh, to be baptized this morning. Now, the topic, uh, the passage for our consideration and meditation this morning is from the book of Acts, and that is chapter 5, verse 27 to 42. Now, we want to understand, before we go into that text for today, Luke's original intent in recording the material in this before we can apply it. I believe there are precious lessons within this short text that we can draw and apply to our lives. Now, just a quick review. There are six sections in the book. and uh, the first section, you see how the Gospel begins in Jerusalem, chapter 1 to 6. And the key verse in this section, and perhaps the key verse in the whole book, is chapter 1, verse 8 where it describes how the Holy Spirit is poured upon the apostles and the disciples, and they were empowered, and there was a transformation in their lives, and they went out to preach the word of God with great boldness. And then in section 2, we see how the gospel spreads to the immediate surroundings in Judea and Samaria. And uh, in, chapter, in section 3, from verse uh, chapter 9 to 12, the gospel spreads to the Gentiles, and from them to Asia, to Europe, and finally... Rome, and in the section in Rome, nineteen chapters 19 to 28, it depicts how for two years, Paul spent two years there, uh, preaching the gospel unimpeded, unheeded and many, many ch- thousands came to the Lord, and many churches and believers were strengthened in the faith. Now, therefore, Luke here chronologically, in a very systematic way, gives a record of how by the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Christ spread from Jerusalem and then spread immediate surroundings of Judea and Samaria to the Gentiles, to Asia and Europe, and finally to Rome. Now the account begins in Jerusalem and ends in Rome. Now empowered by the Holy Spirit, the disciples spread the gospel westward to Asia. You see that the general trend of the direction of the spread of the gospel is westward. And it ends in Rome, after going to Asia and Europe. Now along the way, the Gospel met with hindrances and obstacles of various types. We read about the opposition from religious and political leaders, how the Gospel preachers suffered imprisonment and flogging under the hands of the Sadducees and even King Herod. We also read about about the martyrdom of Stephen and James and how also they encountered natural disasters along the way, for example a shipwreck, and even encounters with venomous snakes. Despite these obstacles, we read how the gospel triumphed, it continued to advance nonetheless, and we know that thousands came to the Lord, churches were multiplied, and the word of God increased significantly. So it is in this context, and with this understanding of the Bigger picture in the book of Acts that we come now to our text for today, and that is Acts chapter 5, verses 27 to 42. And I will now take some time for us to read through the verses, and I trust that as we read through, there will be special lessons that we can draw from it. Verse 17 Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the Bible. The people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, which is the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they is sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked, with the guard standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, "'wondering what this might lead to. "'Then someone came and said, "'Look, the men you put in jail "'are standing in the temple courts "'teaching the people. "'At that, the, t- the captain went with the officers who, who, "'and brought the apostles. "'They did not use force "'because they feared that the people would stone them. "'The apostles were brought in "'and made to appear before the Sanhedrin "'to be questioned by the high priest.' We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, yet you have failed Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his right hand as prince and saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious, and they wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodas appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and they all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop this man. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the Apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and to let them go. The Apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. What's the key lesson that we can take from this passage here? The spread of the gospel from its origin in Jerusalem was all the work of God's hand. It was accomplished through man and powered by the Holy Spirit. No amount of opposition could stop the spread of this gospel. Peter and the apostles, they were men of courage, men of purpose, and men who lived by the principle of obeying God rather than men. They stood up courageously, even in the face of threats to their own lives. They had a very precious, life-giving message to share and a God-given mission to accomplish in their lives. They considered their physical lives on earth as of less value than the destiny of the souls of their fellow Jews who had yet to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they preached the gospel, they did so faithfully, and fearlessly. They model for us the kind of witnesses that God wants us to be, unflagging obedience in the face of opposition. And today we are standing here, those of us who have received the gospel and have become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are here today partly because, mainly because of the faithfulness of these early disciples and how they Pass the baton of the gospel down from generation to generation. And we know that millions of people have also died in the process of living for the gospel and sharing the gospel. Now, I believe each one of us here who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ have come to know of the gospel because of somebody, a friend, a relative, perhaps maybe even a stranger, who unselfishly took the time to bring the gospel to us. I would like for us to take just a short moment To reflect on that person or persons, reflect on that time or incident when you received the message of the gospel and became a child of God. And say a short prayer for that person. The person who brought me to Christ was my classmate in high school, in A levels, raffles, and then finally in medical school. I visited him recently in hospital. He's dying from stage 4 cancer. And I reminded him of how he had been good, how God had used him to bring the gospel to me when we were in A-levels. And so there will be some of you here who have even the privilege of bringing the gospel to others. And I'm sure the Lord is smiling on us because we have been faithful in bringing that message across to others. May these thoughts encourage us to continue to be faithful in wanting the gospel of Christ to be shared from our lives to others that God brings into our lives. What is the application for us today? Three things, know, feel and do. What do we need to know? We need to know that the Holy Spirit gives us the power, the strength, the boldness, the ability and the confidence to be witnesses for Jesus. We can't do it on our own. What do we need to feel? We do not need to feel fear of being a witness for him because when we have the Holy Spirit with us, there is no fear. And what do we need to do? We need to be obeying the Lord in our daily walk with him. We need to be praying to the Lord how he can use us to bring the message to people that he divinely arranges to, be, to, ...to meet us. These could be the people in our homes who are not yet believers... ...people that we meet in our place of work... ...people in our neighbourhood. Surely the Lord wants the message to come to them in one way or other. So what is your role? What is my role? Let us be inspired by the story that we have read this morning... ...this portion of the narrative in the book of Acts... ...how they, the pioneers in the sense of the gospel... ...were so fearless so faithful and so courageous in the face even of opposition, even the fear of losing their lives, that did not deter them from being a gospel bearer. I know that there are some people here this morning who are not yet recipients, who have not yet received the message of the Lord Jesus Christ, and perhaps some of you are here for the first time in the church. And indeed, I just want to repeat my welcome to you And I would like to take the next 10 minutes or so of this time to briefly share the gospel, the gospel message. It begins with the knowledge that God created man, you and I, in his very own image. And the reason for that is because he loves us a special creation of his. And he wants us to have a very personal relationship with him. But he gave us also a free choice, either to love him, to obey him, or to go our own way. And we know that man chose to go his own way. And man decided that he doesn't really need God. And so he, in a sense, fell from the grace of God. And he turned away against God. He disobeyed God. Because of that, there was a breach in the relationship between man and God. As Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Notice the word all. It doesn't say the Chinese, the Jews, the Malays, the Indians. It says all, A-L-L, without exception. We all have sinned. We are all guilty of this independent attitude of wanting to live lives our own way. And we don't want to have anything to do with God who created us. And because of our sin, God says, I am a holy God and I cannot have sin, I cannot tolerate sin. And so God says, the punishment for your sin is death. And the death, the wages of sin is death. It's not just a physical death. We all know that our lives on on earth, whether we live 30, 60, 90 years, one day we will come, we will live this world physically. And it's not only a physical death that is guaranteed, but it's also. Immediate spiritual death, the, the consequence of spiritual death, which is a separation from God. And because we are spiritually dead, we are unable to communicate with God, just like we are unable to communicate with a body that is physically dead. So spiritually, we are unable to communicate with this God who made us. And so then there is this, this, in a sense, a judgment in Hebrews 9.25, just as people are destined to die once, but after that, we cannot escape the judgment of God. But, the saving grace in the message of the gospel is that God loves us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. And how did he show his love? He sent the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. And we all know this, perhaps some of us are not yet Christians. We are familiar with the words in John chapter 3, verse 16. But God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And what did Jesus do? What did his son, Jesus Christ, do? You see there in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, that Jesus Christ died on the cross in obedience to God's will for him in coming to the world. He died for your sins and my sins. He was crucified and died a humiliating, painful death. But thankfully, he didn't die like any other person. And left the world forever But the Bible tells us that he rose again And the other promise in Matthew chapter 26, verse 64 Is that Jesus says, I have not died and gone And that's the end of me He says, I say to you, all of you From now on, you will see the Son of Man Sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One And coming on the clouds of heaven Jesus Christ promised to come back again and to receive all those of us who are his children, those who believe in him, will become his children in heaven. He has a special place in heaven for all of us who have placed our trust in him, who believe that, yes, he died for our sins. And what does he say again in John chapter 5, verse 24? He tells us, Verily, verily, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but as crossover over from death to life. See, there is something that we need to do. We not only need to hear, which is a very passive kind of acceptance, but we need to receive, and to receive. And to, to believe and to receive is an active process of saying, yes, I know that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins. Yes, I know I am a sinner. He died for a purpose. He suffered for a purpose. And I want to accept the forgiveness of my sins, which his death has accomplished. And this morning, as believers, we all took the bread and the wine, and that was to remind us of the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made on the cross. The body that was broken for us, represented in the bread that we took, and the, the blood that was shed in order for, for the forgiveness of our sins, represented by the wine that we partook of. So Jesus says, hear and believe, which means to in verse, The next slide will tell us, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, to hear and to believe means to open your mouth and to say, the Lord, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe that you died for me, and I want to receive you into my life. Now the other thing we need to know about this salvation that God offers in Christ is that it is all of his grace. It has nothing to do with how good we are, nothing to do with how charitable we are, nothing to do with how kindly dispositioned we are to people, nothing to do with all the little good things that we think we have done for our neighbor, for our friends, for our loved ones. It is all because of the grace of God. Because of our sinful nature, the core sinfulness in us, nothing that we do can please God. And so, therefore, God has to send a perfect sacrifice, and that was his sinless son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we accept that sinless sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, that is the only thing by which God can receive us, because we...